the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs will be in chapter 1 this morning. We just finished up, wrapped up our series on Philippians last week, and I hope that that will continue to be helpful to you, that you'll return back to the book of Philippians often as you walk with the Lord and as you walk with the body of believers. But this morning, I want to begin a study on the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. I hope you'll also take advantage of the notes that we've placed in the bulletin. We'll be bouncing around a lot this morning, and so I've put a lot of the verses in there to hopefully help you. But I thought with school beginning and just lots of new beginnings for a lot of us that a study on Proverbs for the next few weeks might be helpful. When I say the next few weeks, I don't mean next week. I won't be here next week, but we'll resume the study here in a couple weeks. But we'll be discussing the topic of wisdom, of course. That's what we look for when we go to Proverbs, right? The, ti- the title of the study is going to be How to Be Successful in God's World. You'll see that at the top of the notes there. And then every week we're going to hit one of the main themes of the book of Proverbs, and you'll see that this week's theme is Fear God, How to Be Successful in God's World. The answer to that question is Fear God. The question that really lies behind all wisdom literature, and we're talking about books like Proverbs, books like Job, and then um, getting into Ecclesiastes, the question, these, these books are titled, the genre is wisdom literature, and the goal behind all of it is how to be successful in the world God has made. We recognize that God has made all that it's, that's here, and so he probably knows best how we're to live in it, how we're to achieve success within his world. And the question, I mean, the clear answer to the question is that one must be a wise person. This is what the, the answer from all those books, one must be a wise person. Proverbs teaches that the person who desires to be wise, it it teaches them how to live in practically every type of situation. You want to know how to deal with a difficult neighbor, it's there. You want to know how to deal with a difficult spouse or a spouse, whichever they are, there are things there. How to handle business affairs, there are things there. How to raise children, it's it's in Proverbs. How to do well as a child or a teenager, it's, it's there. Practically every situation, Proverbs offers wisdom, how to be a wise person within whatever situation we might find ourselves. And, and I think just about everyone here would say they, they want to be known as a wise person, right? Right? Everyone wants to know be known as wise. But just in case you're teetering on the edge and you might like to be known as something else, I want to give you a multiple choice. The Proverbs off, offers a couple options. You see, you can either be known to be wise or you can be known to be a fool. So let me give you the multiple choice. A is you want to be wise. B is you want to be a fool. Which which would you like? Anyone want to opt for B? Anyone? That's that's difficult, isn't it? You you want to immediately go with the wise person, but then you know that that's going to require some sacrifices on your part. And you might not want to make those sacrifices that it's going to require to actually be a wise person. You know, they do offer one other option, and that other option is just to be simple. Anybody want to be just simple? The, the problem with taking the simple option is in the book of Proverbs, when it, it talks about the simple person, that simple person can't remain simple for long. Either quickly they will become wise or they will become the fool. And so it really is that way. Either you will be a wise person or you will be a fool. You cannot remain neutral for very long. And so... As we walk through the book of Proverbs, I hope that you will see what it means to be 
wise. What, what is wisdom exactly? Well, it's, it's the skill of living. The skill of living. It's practical knowledge, as one author says, that helps one to know how to act and to speak in different situations. Wisdom entails the ability to avoid unnecessary problems and the skill to handle problems when they present themselves. Doesn't everybody want that? I think we all do. Well, the topic we're dealing with today, to how do we be successful, wise in God's world? Well, fear God. This is the answer. And this is a topic Dr. David dealt with in Band of Brothers about a month ago. And I'll say a few of the things he said, uh, he said there, and I, I do have his permission. And so at this time, I want to ask you if you'll stand with me, and we'll read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands, let him obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You may be seated. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom and insight this morning. Lord, I believe that all of us want to be wise people. Help us to see the sacrifices that are going to be required for us to be wise people. And God, by your grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may you enable us to make those sacrifices, to walk the path of wisdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The fear of the Lord. We're going to focus in on verse 7 this morning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is what some of your translations will say. Others will say wisdom. Regardless of what it means, it's basic of the word. The basic meaning is to apply knowledge, the beginning of real, true knowledge, and being able to apply that knowledge in life is the fear of the Lord. And the opposite of the wise person, the fool, the fool despises wisdom and instruction. We can easily say that they will not fear the Lord. The word fear of the Lord, what? What does it mean? Well, it's, it's a relational phrase. It speaks of how we relate to God. And just so you know, if you've read Proverbs, I know you're already familiar with this, but the phrase occurs throughout this literature that we call wisdom literature. It's the beginning of all knowledge. Job 28, 28 says, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. In other words, fearing the Lord equals wisdom. Once you fear the Lord, you're automatically, in some sense, a wise person. If Ecclesiastes 12, 13 Verse 13, this is the end of the matter. You'll remember that the preacher in Ecclesiastes has searched out every option in life. And he says, this is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. If you're trying to explore some other options, friends, I'd encourage you to look at the book of Ecclesiastes. This guy searched it all. He had access to things you don't have access to. And he says, none of it's worth it. This is the end of all life. Fear God and keep his commandments. And there's also particularity here. It, sometimes we look at the book of Proverbs and we wonder, it's, you know, it's kind of in the middle of the Bible, right? And we wonder, how does it relate to the stuff, this side of the Bible, like the law and the commandments, all those things? And how does it relate to the stuff on the other side? For us as New Testament Christians, 
people who have been forgiven of our sins and the primary thing that we experience from God as believers is his love. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, it says that we are to fear the Lord and this word is particularly important. When it says Lord, it's not just a random word for God, it's the revealed word of God that was given to Israel back earlier in the Old Testament. The word that was given to Moses. Remember, God says, I am who I am. It's that special name for God. It's the God who saved Israel, who opened the Red Sea so that they could walk across. And the reason I say this is because any time in Israel, they didn't even, they wouldn't even say this word. It was so sacred. It would be written down, but they, we don't even know how to pronounce it really. We say Yahweh, but that's just working off what we kind of know and trying to make sense of it. They would not even articulate the word because it was so sacred. But when they read it, they knew who this God was. This is the God who had revealed himself to them. They didn't just find him. He showed himself to them. This is the God who had brought them out of Egypt, out of, sa- out of slavery, who gave them the commandments and then eventually brought them out of the wilderness. This God had worked in their lives. And so when it says fear of the Lord, it's a very particular God. It's a very particular thing that we are to fear. Now, there's a, another aspect of this. Even today, we find helpful proverbs in the world, right? We find helpful wisdom in the world. Have you heard the proverb, a stitch in time saves nine? Is that, a, is that from the Bible? I, have, I haven't seen it in there, but, but it's true, right? If we, if we do things at the beginning when we should do them, it will probably save us a little bit of time later. It's, it's a helpful proverb. We can learn something from that. Another, some other proverbs, modern proverbs I found when I looked them up are, ideas don't work unless you do. That's a good one, huh? Ideas don't work unless you do. That's, that's true. It's not straight from the scriptures, but it's a helpful proverb. Another one, the heaviest thing to carry is a grudge. The heaviest thing to carry is a grudge. We lie the loudest when we lie to ourselves. That's a, those are good things, but they don't come directly from the scriptures. The reason I, I say this is because, friends, before even the Proverbs in Israel, there were Proverbs among these ancient civilizations. For instance, Proverbs seven twenty four through 27, listen to this. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray away toward her. This is an evil woman. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. This was a biblical proverb, Proverbs chapter 7. Now listen to a Sumerian proverb. Sumerian, the Sumerian civilization was about the time of Abraham, even before Abraham. So this proverb would have been very popular even before the Bible was written, the book of Proverbs. Listen to it. Do not laugh with a girl who is married. The slander will be strong. My son, don't sit alone in a chamber with a woman who is married. That's good wisdom, isn't it? That's good wisdom. Now, here's why I'm saying these things. What distinguishes biblical wisdom from the world's wisdom? The world will sometimes have healthy things to say, some things that are good and that are true. But friends, what distinguishes God's people from the world is the fear of the Lord. 
It's not always necessarily what's said, but it's how that knowledge is based. It's that all truth is God's truth. This is what distinguishes God's people from even the world's wisdom that might be true, is that all truth is God's truth. Now, here's an example of where this is important. Many people know it's good to be hardworking and to make money, right, and provide for their family. But if we don't have a fear of God, we might take that to the extremes of being a workaholic and being addicted to material wealth. So we know that a lot of people know it's wise to work and to make money for, to provide for their families. But if we don't base that on a first, a prior fear of the Lord, they might take that to some extreme. And so a fear of the Lord balances things out there. So I just want you to be aware that when you go out into the world, it's not that you ignore every single thing that the world says, but rather you're observant enough to know that's not quite right. Or that's true, but that all that truth, you're using it in that way, but that's actually God's truth. You can't steal that. You can't rob that from him. So all truth is God's truth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So... Let's jump into some questions. How and why do we fear the Lord? How and why? And first, we'll look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 20. Will you turn back to Exodus chapter 20 with me? Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 20. This is immediately after the people of Israel have received uh, the Ten Commandments. And here in verse 18, it says, All the people were seeing the thundering and lightning and heard the sound of the horn and saw the mountain smoking. What's up on the mountain? The presence of God. And when the people saw it, they trembled with fear and kept their distance. They said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak with us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you so that you do not sin. That's interesting, isn't it? Moses says, don't fear, don't be afraid by the mountain shaking, for God's come to test you that the fear of him may be before you so that you do not sin. So the Lord descends, the earth shakes, the people are terrified, but the fear of the Lord doesn't just mean that they're to be terrified of him. It's a healthy respect for him that prevents evil. This is where the phrase to put the fear of God in someone comes from. I know a lot of you have heard that phrase before. My father really instilled this type of fear in me. I, I knew that he loved me and he was generally a gentle man, but the mental picture he instilled in me of him with a belt put the fear of God in me. And it kept me, it was a deterrent to some behavior that would not be pleasing to him and to God. John Calvin wrote, all wickedness flows from a disregard of God because the fear of God is the bridle by which our wickedness is held in check. You see, what he, he's saying is that when we do wickedness, when we do evil, we check out mentally and we say, it's okay, God won't do anything about this. He'll forgive it. But he says the fear of God is the bridle by which our wickedness is held in check. We know God is capable of, mounting, of having the mountain shake. What could he do to me if I rebelled against him? So how do we fear God? Well, this passage tells us it's not simply a thing of terror, but it's about turning from evil. 
Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, this is another one. Now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. So, how do we fear the Lord? We fear the Lord simply by obeying him. When we obey him, we show that we have reverence for God and for his commands. Just in case you think this is only an Old Testament idea, you say, I'm a New Testament Christian. I don't have to be concerned about these aspects of God. Let's look at the New Testament a little bit. Hebrews 10.31, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. This is a deterrent to sin, a deterrent to live a life of wickedness. After catching, you'll remember this picture in the New Testament, Jesus gets in the boat with Simon, Peter, and some of the future disciples, and he says, throw the nets out. And Simon's, well, Jesus, we've fished all day. I mean, you're no fisherman, no disrespect, but we've fished all day, and we haven't caught anything. And he goes ahead, and he throws the nets over, and then he pulls up this remarkable amount of fish, and when he sees it, Peter falls down at Jesus' knees and says, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. The presence of Jesus strikes fear when he reveals himself as the powerful God. But another one, Acts 9.31, one in the church particularly applicable to us. The people in Acts, it says in Acts 9.31, the people lived in fear of the Lord and in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit and the church increased in numbers. So the Living in the fear of the Lord produces fruit in our lives and in the church as a whole. And it's, friends, it's not only God's power to judge that causes us to fear Him, it's also His power to show mercy. Are you amazed by His mercy to the sense, to the extent that you tremble? Psalm 130, 3 through 4. If you, O Lord, were to keep track of sins, O Lord, who could stand before you? But you are willing to forgive so that your name might be feared. Even his forgiveness generates this attitude of reverence that he has such a capacity to be gracious. I I think C.S. Lewis really captures both these aspects of God. His his power for judgment, but then his power to forgive. And the story, the Chronicles of Narnia. Lucy, the little girl, is, is, is learning about Aslan, the lion who represents God. And she begins to ask questions. She asks, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And the beaver says, that you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without his knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just plain silly. Then he isn't safe, she asked. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Miss Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Our God is not safe, but he is good. And both those things should produce trembling. So how do we fear God? We do it through humble reverence. And we do it because of who God is. I hope, just please hear this. If if our view of God doesn't cause us to tremble, then we've got the wrong God. If your view of God doesn't cause you to tremble, then you have the wrong God. 
Well, how do you gain this sense of God personally? Well, for Isaiah, it was in the temple that he encountered God. And he fell. For John in Revelation, he was on Patmos and it says in the beginning of the book that he was worshipping in the Spirit when he encountered God. If you haven't caught this sense of God, maybe it's because you aren't spending time personally with God. When you encounter God in His Word, when you encounter God through prayer, friends, you will tremble if you encounter Him in truth and who He is. So, I wonder if you're fearing God in the varying aspects of your life. You know, it's really possible to convey a godly life at home and a godly life in the church, but to lie at work, to gossip when we're around friends. I hope you're applying the fear of the Lord in every single aspect of your life. And if you aren't, if it hasn't become obvious yet, it will eventually. Let's, let's look at the next couple of points. What happens when we fear the Lord? What happens when we fear the Lord? Well, Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord provides wise instruction. Just like Job said, to fear the Lord is wisdom. To some extent, simply because we fear the Lord, we are wise. But it will also lead to further wisdom. Proverbs 16.6, through fearing the Lord, one avoids evil. Do you find yourselves in some rough situations? Hanging around, hanging around the wrong crowd? It may be because you don't fear the Lord. Through fearing the Lord, one avoids evil. You don't just fall into evil, friends. It's intentional. It happens. Probably because you're not fearing the Lord. Proverbs 31.30, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. How do you criticize a wise person? How do you do that? Anything negative you say is like a backhanded compliment. I hate that person. He's so wise. It just frustrates me. You can't even say he or she is arrogant because a person who's wise knows to be humble. They know that pride comes before a fall. They're so arrogant. They think they know everything. No, maybe, maybe they're just wise. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 3, 23 through 26, you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. This is what happens in following wisdom. Your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you won't be afraid. When, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Don't be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. We're going to walk through these things really quickly, but I hope it's just overwhelming to you the benefits of walking in wisdom. Remember, this is God's world, and He's created it in such a way that when you walk in wisdom, you will be at peace. This doesn't mean life will be easy, but there will be peace. You will feel secure, because God will be your confidence. So, these are the rewards of walking in wisdom, when, of fearing God. But what happens when I don't fear God? Look at Proverbs 1, verse 24 with me. We're going to read an extended session and so I hope you'll, uh, of length of scriptures, and so I hope you'll just hang with me. These are very helpful in understanding the consequences of not walking in the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. 
wisdom is speaking, and wisdom says, because I've called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and have, would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. And when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I won't answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they have hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Listen, it changes. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Let's continue in chapter 2 for just a minute. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you will call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you'll seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. He guards the paths of justice and watches over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Which path do you prefer? Is it really a difficult choice? I think all of us would say that we prefer to be the person who's seeking wisdom. We prefer those results over the other. I I think when it says that wisdom will laugh at this person, wisdom has called out and said, I want to fill you with wisdom. I want to help you make good choices. And that person consistently just says, no, no, I want to take my own path. This is the way I want to go. I think what wisdom is saying when it says, I will laugh when calamity comes upon you, destruction, is that person is going to find themselves in a sticky, really bad situation because of their choices and because of their rejection of wisdom. And then they're going to finally call out. Finally, they're going to call out. And the problem is going to be there's no quick fix. They have to suffer the consequences of their decisions. There's no quick fix. So if you're on this path of wickedness, friend, and you say, you know what, when things get really bad, I'm going to turn around, I'm just going to change. Just know, whatever consequences come, you'll have to endure them. There's not going to be a quick fix. This is what happens when we don't fear God. Proverbs 6, 32 through 34, these are some of my favorites in Proverbs. This is in your notes there. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. My short translation of this is, don't mess with my wife or I will kill you. (laughs) This is what happens when we don't fear the Lord. There are harmful consequences. But the whole ultimate result of not fearing God is still to come. Proverbs 29.1. 
He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond all healing. You see, there is an end judgment that comes for the one who is the fool, for the one who constantly rejects wisdom and instruction. Judgment will come, and there will be no more healing available. So we see what happens when we fear the Lord. We see what happens when we don't fear the Lord. Well, how does all this fit with following Jesus? It fits nicely. 1 Corinthians 1. 21 through 24. For since in the wisdom of God, the world by its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased to save those who believe by the foolishness of preaching. For Jews demand miraculous sign, Greeks ask for wisdom, but we preach about a crucified Christ, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and to Greeks, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. What's this mean? Well, one aspect of it is for sure that not one of us in this room who follows Jesus one day just thought, man, I really wish there was someone who would die for me so that I could have a relationship with God and then God would just give me his righteousness. How many of you thought that up? Christ doesn't work by the world's standards of wisdom. And so even in submitting to Christ, we have to submit to the fear of the Lord. We have to submit to God's ways of wisdom. Christ is the wisdom of God for our salvation. But also, Jesus by his words and his life and his death teaches us the full wisdom of God. Listen to some of the sayings of Jesus. They're they're very proverbial. He speaks with large truths, but packs them into small statements, memorable statements, which is exactly what the Proverbs do. Matthew 7, 3. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but fail to see the beam of wood in your own? Few of us have forgotten that. Mark 9, 50. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. Acts 20.35, this is a word that was given, that Paul learned, that Jesus said at some point. It's better to give than to receive. It's a small, proverbial saying. Matthew 7.6, don't give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before pigs. Otherwise, they'll trample them under their feet and turn around and tear you to pieces. Do you see who Jesus is? He's the wiser Solomon. You know, Solomon was given all wisdom, but yet didn't use it very well, did he? (laughs) Jesus stored up his treasures in heaven rather than on earth, and for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He took our sin and shame so that we could become children of God. Jesus is the wiser Solomon. He is the true wisdom of God. Matthew 12, 42, the queen of the south, Jesus says, that is, Egypt will rise up at the judgment with this generation. He's speaking about the generation that's listening to him, Pharisees and other religious people. And he said they will condemn it because she came from the, she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is the wisdom of God. 
one of the practices that I like to do is in reading the Proverbs, I like to read the Proverbs just like the days of the month. Uh, I actually heard this as while I was an intern here, which was just a couple of years ago, actually. And, um, and so I would read the proverb of the day. There are 31 Proverbs, months with 30 days. You read through 30 of them, or months with 31, you get through all of them. But one of the things I like to do in understanding Jesus as the wisdom of God is pick out something in that proverb and say, how did Jesus exemplify this wisdom? And I think it helps to remind us that Jesus is, is the full wisdom of God. I want to leave you with this verse, Luke seven sixteen. Jesus is speaking and working, and this is what it says about the crowds. It says, fear sees them all. Fear sees them all. They're in the presence of Jesus, and it says that fear sees them all, and they began to glorify God, saying, a great prophet has appeared among us, and God has come to help his people. Jesus is the wisdom of God, and he is to be revered. And as we revere him, as we seek Christ, we will become wise ourselves. So as we begin this study on Proverbs wisdom, I just want to ask you, do you fear God in every aspect of your being? In your hobbies, do you think about the fear of the Lord? That in his power, he is capable of judging us and even destroying us. But then in his rich mercy, he's capable of loving you beyond your imagination and healing you in all your hurts. Do you fear God? And does this lead to obedience? This is true wisdom. This is how we know wisdom and this is how we are successful in God's world. In just a moment, we're going to pray. And I want to ask you, if maybe you would say you, you haven't even believed, you don't fear God. And I would just remind you that there is a judgment to come for every single one of us. Just by the fact that you have heard these words this morning, you are more accountable to what you've heard. And you will be judged for whether you respond or not. God is gracious, and so if you would just confess your sins and come to him in humility, he would heal you and give you his grace through his son, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you show us how to fear you. Lord, that it isn't just being terrified. In fact, it's even being comforted in your presence. I thank you for your amazing power. But yet in your deep love, you show us your grace and your kindness. Lord, help us every day to fear you. Lord, to seek to obey you in all that we do. Lord, continue to teach us wisdom. Through your son, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand?